Hello and welcome to this month's edition of the Prestige Purchasing Podcast. Our podcasts take place monthly and we touch on all sorts of topics affecting the food and hospitality supply chain. From farming to distribution, right through to the consumer's plates, our ambition is to touch on all the interesting issues around food supply chain. This month, our chairman David Reed has gone to speak to Sue Pritchard about the Food, Farming and Countryside Commission. The UK faces serious health implications if the government fails to agree a Brexit deal with the EU. So finds a report that says of 35 portions of fruit and vegetables, just one portion is grown in the UK and picked by British or non-EU workers. This report, published to mark the launch of a new RSA commission last week, examines the impact of Brexit on food and farming. It found that the government's five-a-day health target, which adds up to the 35 portions of fruit and vegetables a week, was overwhelmingly met by food grown in the EU or harvested by EU workers within the UK. So I sought out Sue Pritchard, who is director of the RSA Food, Farming and Countryside Commission. As well as holding down this critical role, Sue is both a fellow of the RSA and runs an organic livestock farm in Wales with her family and volunteers. The farm is also home to a charity, the Silver Birch Foundation, which provides education, training and development for disaffected and disengaged young people in partnership with local schools. Clearly, she's a busy woman. At Prestige, we have already facilitated some wide-ranging discussions between those setting up the RSA Commission and leaders from within operators, suppliers and producers in the food service sector. So I was intrigued to hear more about how the Commission plans to unravel the complex web of politics and practicality that we face through Brexit. So, uh, good morning. Uh, you're director of the Food, Farming and Countryside Commission, uh, which was launched on November the 1st. Um, what, what's it there to do? This is an incredibly exciting opportunity for us here at the RSA. The Food, Farming and Countryside Commission has been uh, funded by the Esme Fairbairn Foundation okay. in order to do three, I think, important things. The first is to inspire and develop a mandate for change mm. for the UK Food, Farming and Countryside Commission. The second is to shape a new vision for the future, which builds on the, the perspectives and interests of people from a very wide range of backgrounds, leaders, farmers, producers, academics, and also those who don't always necessarily get a voice in these debates public health, economists, um, people concerned with food justice, food poverty. And the third part of our mandate is to shape a policy framework which is designed to address some of the particular challenges that we'll be talking about, I'm sure, more later on in this, in this conversation. So, so, so why, is, um, why is now a particularly good time to be doing this? Well, you may have noticed that uh, the UK voted to exit the European Union last yeah, year. I did spot that, yeah. And, um, and of course, the, quest the questions around food, farming, countryside, the kind of future we want as a country 
for our food, farming and countryside uh, has never been more pressing. The European Union has created that framework for, for legislation policy in all of those three sectors and as we exit we need to renegotiate what that looks like. So in fact that offers us an extraordinary opportunity as well as considerable challenges mm. that are well rehearsed. But the opportunity for us is to shape a new vision for the future across food and farming and countryside, mm. which builds on uh, the public's changing expectations, perhaps changing values. Yeah. Do, do you think, because um, there's, a, there's a huge amount of political noise and yeah. hubris out there at the moment, do, do you think the Commission will be listened to by political leaders in this environment? Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah. The fact that we have been able to appoint um, as Chair Sir Ian Cheshire, who um, you will probably know has exceptional credentials yeah. in this space, uh, former Chief Executive of Kingfisher Group mm. and Debenhams and currently Chair of Barclays UK. He's won yeah. Sustainability Leader of the Year um, yeah. for a number of years and is particularly passionate and interested in the work of the Commission. So we were delighted to be able to secure his leadership for the Commission. We're in the process of appointing and, uh, and we'll be announcing shortly, um, I think a very interesting group of Commissioners mm. who credibly and authoritatively represent the full range of perspectives on food, farming and the countryside. And I think together, yeah. Um, offer a very powerful and compelling case to pay attention to hmm. to what the Commission will be doing. Okay, so, so so who are the RSA and why were they selected for this? Well, the RSA is uh, is a fascinating organisation. It was founded in 1750s here in the centre of London mm -hmm. um, as uh, an Enlightenment organisation designed to uh, create opportunities for new kinds of conversations around the pressing issues of the day. And in fact, agriculture mm. was one of its first of course, um, yeah. key issues. One of the very first things that RSA did was to offer um, a premium, what was called in those days a premium for important activities, um, funding the Duke of Beaufort to plant 28 hectares of oak trees <laughs> to make sure that we had ships to to sail yeah. and uh, to um, support the development of new types of drainage for water management now curiously those are issues that we're still talking about today yeah. forests and water management so in the last 250 years the RSA has on a number of occasions uh, done some very interesting things in the food farming countryside space in fact the word sustainability was probably first used in the RSA journal in the 1980s. Oh, really? Gosh. Um, and uh, and uh, what's very contemporary at the moment, Prue Leith, who was chair of the RSA yeah. during the 80s, ran her um, Food for Life campaign with food buses going around Indeed, schools yeah. Yeah. In, in this uh, type of uh, topic. Yeah. But I think, more importantly, what the RSA stands for is progressive thinking and progressive practice, you know, leading edge research and critical inquiry, really mm -hmm. good critical thinking around the tricky issues. And it has at its heart 
a real commitment to citizen engagement, to facilitating different kinds of conversation that enable all those people who've got real skin in the game yeah. to have to play a part in that conversation. And that's what I'm particularly looking forward to being able to do during the life of this commission. Well, I'm sure you won't get any shortage of volunteers yes. to come and give you a view in this particular uh, political environment as yeah. well as commercial situation. So, so tell me a bit about you know, the, the sort of terms of, frame for me if you will, the terms of reference really about the issues in Brexit. Um, yes. you know, so for, uh, for food and farming and the countryside, yes. what, 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 are, what are the key challenges yes. that lie ahead yes. for, for the Commission and for yes. Parliament and for yes. food and farming? Well the issues are enormous and far-reaching and I think one of the challenges will be for the Commission in its early days to choose the particular issues yeah. that it wants to pay particular attention to. So when you think about food, and farming and countryside, it's pretty much touches on everything. It includes the public health, it includes things like rural housing, it includes transport and infrastructure. So it touches on practically every aspect of public policy, but clearly we will need to focus our attention on a, on a few key areas. Mm. Some of the issues that will be uppermost in our minds and no doubt your listeners' minds will be issues around food safety, food security, yeah. Um, sustainable food supplies, how we secure uh, safe and high quality uh, food supplies into our UK food system. Mm. So we'll be exploring the, the challenges around that um, from the get-go. Yeah. That's not something that we're going to be able to park until the end of uh, the, the Commission, which is a, a two-year process. Okay. But we're, going to be we're going to be tackling those sorts of questions early on your listeners will know that uh, the UK is certainly not self-sufficient in food supplies mm -hmm. and we import food from parts of the world that uh, face their own food security challenges yeah. not just through social issues but mm -hmm. also through climate change so for example one um, uh, person uh, who runs a, um, a food services company was telling me just a couple of weeks ago that they have decided to bring in their garlic production to the UK mm. because where they've been importing garlic from in Spain and North Africa mm. suddenly it feels too insecure too volatile and so they're investing in a garlic farm in Worcestershire yep. in order to um, support their work so there's going to be a whole heap of issues around food security mm. food safety there's another whole heap of issues around how we support farming. So there's been masses of talk, hasn't there, about mm. CAP, farming mm. subsidy, Subsidies. pillar yeah. one, pillar two. Um, I think we prefer to think about this as investment in our farming systems and in the broader rural community. I'm a, I'm a little bit uncomfortable when we talk about subsidies to farmers mm. because the reality is that farming is a, is a volatile and complex choice of work. Farmers are not contrary to popular belief all driving around in Range Rovers and leaving fields <laughs> fallow while they pocket the brown envelopes. Mm. That's uh, a little bit of, a, of an urban myth. There is huge issues in the farming sector about um, young entrants being able to join um, farming businesses, uh, about older farmers 
being able to retire and hand on in, uh, in, a, in a kind of helpful and productive way. How long it takes to, um, to realign investments in, in farming systems. So mm. some of the comments we've heard recently could be fine, the you know, UK farmers will just grow more food as yeah. we navigate our way through the next few years. Well, it takes a while to grow a cabbage yeah. And, and it certainly takes a while to invest in the plant and infrastructure that's needed for large-scale production. Um, so we're very keen to think hard about what kind of investment do we need to make in our UK farming system, how we can support farmers and rural communities to, um, to make the contribution that I know they want to make. And then the last thing, I think, um, just still responding to that question no, what are the key issues please do um, the countryside does so much more than mm. um, provide land for growing it's uh, a huge um, uh, provider of what are often called ecosystem services in terms of providing clean air clean water um, well-being and uh, health and well-being um, services through the way we uh, use it for our leisure yeah. and tourism. And of course, um, you know, people often say that it's the UK landscape that attracts the most to um, coming here for their, for their holidays. So we need to think really hard about the sort of framework of legislation that recognises the public services that the countryside provides and the enormous competing demands um, increasingly um, challenging as we navigate our way through the next few years and exit the European Union. Yeah, it really interesting. The the um, I was fascinated by your comment about the garlic farm because mm. we're starting to see lots and lots of that kind of stuff going yeah. on at the moment. For example, uh, some of the um, some of the Mexican operators yeah. are now growing their own chilies yeah. uh, in the UK, mm. which you know ten years mm. ago was unthinkable. Yeah. They were all being imported. Do, do you, is it your perception, because I realise you're at the start of a process here, but mm. what is one of the things you might be looking into is, is how well connected farming is yeah. with our sector, the food service sector, yeah. because we rely so much on innovation and, uh, and mm. on freshness of produce and all those things. Yeah. Is that something you'll be looking at, do you think? Absolutely, and I hope in collaboration um, with your listeners. Yeah. You know, this is... This is I think as I've already indicated, yeah. such an enormous topic. And the expertise in this topic is dispersed in many different mm. places, um, located in all sorts of different pockets. Yeah. But one of the things I think we'll all be concerned with is the extent to which we um, develop secure supply chains. Mm. Um, shorter supply chains are more sustainable. They're safer and more secure. They less, have less impact on the planet. Mm. That means closer working relationships between producers and purchasers. Um, those sorts of conversations are ones that we will want to yeah. look at facilitating. One of the things that we are going to be doing as a commission is working very closely in three regions around the UK, probably, but still to be confirmed by commissioners, um, Northwest England, Cumbria, yeah. Southwest England, Devon, maybe Devon and Cornwall. But East of England too. We'll be collaborating with groups of people who um, reflect, if you like, the variety of interests in those very different 
um, examples of the UK mm. food farming, countryside, um, landscape, and early conversations that we've been having in East of England, particularly, um, very keen to explore how we shorten supply chains, how we make them more sustainable, yeah. and how everyone from you know, the water companies through the growers to the buyers yeah. collaborate more effectively for more sustainable systems. Okay, thank you. Is um, uh, and if people w want to uh, in our sector want to mm -hmm. become involved in the work of the commission, yeah. Um, how, how what's the process around which you will be framing your questions to industry? Yeah. And how do people link in yes. with you on yeah. that? So we're going to be doing um, a number of things throughout the life of the commission. Yeah. The um, the usual work of a commission is to meet and take evidence yeah. from experts and interested parties uh, around the country. And we will be um, picking out the critical topics um, throughout the life of the Commission where experts and interests such as yourselves can, can come and contribute and talk to us about yeah. um, all of the issues as you see them. We're going to be working in those particular regions mm -hmm. um, over a 12-month program to get a real deep dive into the the practical problems and therefore the practical solutions yep. that we can craft together which will enable us to make very grounded recommendations for new policy yeah. frameworks built from yeah. uh, you know a, a real lived experience a felt experience of what works and indeed what doesn't work yeah um, we'll be working I think with quite creative ways of broader citizen engagement moving all around the country to speak to people in towns and in cities um, in rural communities farmers markets livestock markets supermarkets yeah. uh, all sorts of different settings so that we can uh, engage the broadest possible um, stakeholders to, yeah. to contribute um, to the work of the Commission and we're open to other suggestions Okay. If there are things that your um, members would particularly like to um, to do or say, then we're, I think we'll be a very open and listening okay. commission, particularly in the first three months, three yeah. to four months, as we shape our questions and we shape our inquiry. Okay, so if, if, uh, if uh, anybody listening to this wants to get in touch with you, how should they do that? Well, they can get in touch in a number of ways on our RSA website. They will find our Food Farming and Countryside Commission pages. Mm -hmm. And on there will be my email address and uh, my Twitter account and my Instagram account. Okay. And, and they can write to me at uh, John Adams Street 2. So uh, multiple ways, yeah, old and new. The whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, so we, we talked a little bit about what the opportunities and the changes are. Um, w the press is full of um, but, you know, people arguing about it's going to be fantastic or it's going to be uh, you know, yeah. Helen Hancart. Um, it, w what are the risks, really, as you see it for food farming in the countryside going yes. forward? Yes, there are many serious risks. Mm -hmm. um, as we see it at this point in time. There isn't an enormous amount of clarity. It's a lot of, it's rather more heat than light, I think it would mm. be fair to say, mm. in the system. The sorts of issues that need urgent resolution are around 
um, trade and tariff rules, the sorts of food safety regulations that we'll be adopting, um, issues around migrant labour. Mm. Those are really... The three big ones. Yes, yeah. really pressing issues. But then there are big, big questions, I think, um, that are much more expansive and perhaps needed asking even before we voted to leave the European Union. And that's to do with what kind of country we want to be in the world. Mm. What kind of food, farming, countryside system do we want for the UK? Mm. What's our place in the world and our contribution, let's say, to the Sustainable Development Goals? We don't really want to be um, offshoring the impact of our food system to parts of the world who are less likely to be able to manage it. Yep. Just because you know, we're, if we had the opportunity, we just because yeah. we can, it does not mean that we should. Yeah. What kind of responsibilities do we want to be living up to? What kind of aspirations do we want for ourselves and our communities? At the moment, we have um, we have a. It's not, it's not so much a policy, but we have a kind of default position that food needs to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. But that masks a very complex picture. Middle class and affluent families are spending much less on their food as a proportion of their mm. income than they ever have, but poor people are not. No. And the proportion of calories they get from frankly poorer quality food is much higher. So we have a really complex public health picture right now mm -hmm. where food is getting cheaper, people are getting more overweight and more obese, and that's giving rise to huge issues for the public's health across the country, for food justice, for food poverty. Mm. So on the one hand, we may have a narrative that talks about you know, cheaper food in the supermarkets, but we pick up the cost of that elsewhere in the system, whether it's through environmental impacts or whether it's through the cost of the public's health. Yeah. So being able to talk about those things in um, a really straight and upfront way in partnership with all those folk mm. who've got a stake in those questions from citizens to business to industry to academics and advocates who yeah. have some expertise in that place. I think those sorts of questions are long overdue and really needed asking. Absolutely. Um, if I may, final question. Um, in in our world, which is the world of food service, catering, hospitality, um, this is actually quite a difficult time. Um, basically, like-for-like like sales are flat now. Mm. You know, we're entering a period where there's oversupply of, uh, of, of food outlets and mm. sales are flat, so it's quite mm. difficult. But in addition to that, there's a whole load of other things which are largely kind of self-imposed, like um, uh, the apprenticeship levy, mm. um, the, the living wage, um, uh, rents uh, are still mm. rising in London, there's mm. been a revaluation of rates. So mm. basically lots of businesses need to grow their mm. sales at mm. 5 to 10% just to stand mm. still. Mm. Um, so I can imagine some business leaders listening to this and saying, well, this is all very well, but this is, this is very big picture stuff and, uh, yeah. I, I, and by the way, inflation at the moment in mm. food inflation in food services running nearly 10% currently mm. so food pricing is an issue but most of that is exchange rate mm. driven from the, mm. the importation of foods um, over the last year uh, so I can imagine people saying 
Well, it's 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 great, but it's not really what I need to uh, to focus on right now because mm -hmm. I've got to focus on these short term yeah. issues. Would would you understand that view? But but also, would you have a different view? I completely understand that view. I absolutely understand that view, and um, and I think it is important to say that the Food Farming and Countryside Commission can't do everything. No. We won't want to be even attempting to duplicate the work mm. that sector based organisations are focused on. Yeah. We want to come alongside you and understand you and understand the relationships and interconnections in other parts of the system, but we don't necessarily want to try and so solve all the problems within the remit of the Commission. Yeah. What I would say though is that I have been really impressed with the leaders that I've met so far, um, the creativity, Mm. and innovative thinking they're bringing to these kinds of questions, being able to hold both the short-term challenges and the long-term aspirations in mind, yeah. being able to do both immediate problem-solving but also thinking about the long view because I think, as most leaders will know, just head down focused on the short term means you may not have a business mm. when you lift your head up in a year's time because yeah. the world is changing so rapidly around you. So I do have you know, great confidence actually mm. the folk in the sector to be able to work really effectively together to focus on those particular issues yeah. and where we have aligned interests we'll be able to support that and indeed where your um, your members can work with other um players in the food, farming and countryside system to address collectively some of those challenges. I share your view entirely and it's great to finish on such a positive note. Sue Pritchard, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.